1: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary.
2: VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Get right to the romance and find the way to wow this Valentine's with 1-800-Flowers.com. From classic roses and bouquets to decadent chocolate-covered berries, gourmet treats, and more.
2: Surprise your Valentine with 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, get the 18-stem Enchanted Rose Medley for $39.99. Or upgrade to 24 red roses for $10 more. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. Mirror,
0: mirror Man, You twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Good afternoon and welcome to an On The Whistle podcast today. I'm joined by Johnny.
2: How you doing? Uh, Nice to be here, Pete. Um, I am Johnny, but I'm also one half of the collective known as Fan Favourites with Matt Candela.
0: Yeah, the Fan Favourites have got some explaining to do today. Explaining. (laughs) And I'm also here with Matt Candela and it sounds like he's joined by his daughter as well. She's making the guest appearance today. Hi, Pete. You all right? I'm 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 deeply deeply hungover, but I'm I, I, I've gone from feeling quite sad to to very perky right now. I'm yeah. I'm looking forward to you know the the great thing about the position that you two have taken is uh, when we win, you you're Arsenal fans. It doesn't matter. Like you're, you're you're in a good place. And When we lose, you can all gang up on me. But today it is a win. And it's just it's going to be a joy to chat on a podcast with you two about some positive things, not about all the bad things that happen. So I'm excited. Uh, let's let's kick off. Um, let's instead of kicking off with like a hot take, I just want to talk about what a roller coaster of emotions that entire 90 minutes was. And actually, even even before it, because Matt texts me at like 6 a.m. He was like, that starting 11 is disgusting. And I rolled out in front of the TV and I, I was besides myself. I was like, the, you know, he's he doesn't learn. He's 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 right back at it with his with his favourites. We've got all we've got all of the pantomime villains out there today. <laughs> um like, let's let's just talk about that starting eleven because it did it's, it. didn't look like it was going to perform today. Like um, it stank it stank yeah. the
3: place out, didn't Matt, it? Tell but, us,
0: yeah. Well,
3: it just stank the place out. And I think I tweeted. I don't think you can win Premier League games with. Uh, Willian and Elneny in in starting lineup. Um, I was promptly corrected that we actually have won two games all season <laughs> with those two in the starting lineup. Which even that piece of information didn't exactly fill me with confidence. And you just like you just couldn't see it against a Leicester team who you thought would be uh, smarting after their defeat in midweek, um, and we just expected more of the same. And then you know throw in. Uh, Attired Jacker um, and 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 some of the other some of the other faces who have consistently underperformed, and you just thought, what is he doing? Are we giving up
0: on the league in February, Johnny? When you saw that starting lineup and you saw that William was William was there with Moel Nenny in a double pivot of doom with Jacker, how how did you how did you feel? It's a little bit later in the day for you, so you, what were the emotions?
2: Um, I'm so pleased we started with this point as well because, like, you know, some games it almost doesn't matter what the lineup is, the game plays out the way it does. But this was absolutely part of the game experience today, seeing that lineup. <laughs> you yeah. know, it was. You have to see, like, the, holistically how it all panned together. And for me, I have been a, certainly a critic of Arteta, as people will know by now. But the problem is for me, what I will not bash him on was that starting lineup because. In, in in my view, he was coming out there and I mean, that obviously changed a bit as the game progressed anyway. But he went out there and said, I am going all for Lever on the um, Europa League. It ultimately will could be the difference between keeping my job and losing my job. And so I am not going to play our best player, Saka, every week when he's one pulled hamstring away from our season collapsing. And Young, know, yes, you are going on the bench, even though you've started to hit a bit of form again. And the fact is, is, for me, it's the same thing with Emery at the end of his tenure, when he messed up those Premier League games uh, and went all in on the Europa League. But in the end, he, he messed it all up and was rightfully got rid of not long after. So if you're in a position where it's difficult, Focusing on one competition fully, I fully get behind. So I was not going to criticize him for that. Right. But that being said, I actually thought that we had a loss coming our way when I see a lineup like that because of all the reasons that you've stated. I mean, El Nenny is, you know, in the past hasn't looked fit for purpose. And the, you know, the Willie Ann. Pepe combo is is incons- inconsistent at best heading into this game. So you're thinking, here we go. It's going to be Barnes. It's going to be Vardy. And when when we have such a calamitous start with um, again Jacques, exactly Jacker and and um, Ann looking like the likely lads on the on the wing <laughs> out there before Mari forgets what defending means, then you're thinking, hey, you know, you bought, you get what you bought what you paid for here. Arteta with that lineup when we go one nil down.
0: Yeah, i i i got i got the i got the text from Matt nice and early. I said, like, "Oh, here we go. This is this is going to be a, a, a tough day." Um, and I, I actually i'm trying i'm trying my hardest not to react in game and sort of like let things compute. But i i i was i was raging. I was raging at that lineup because I was like, "Okay, so you you've taken the first opportunity to put William back in. He's going to have he's got a five year contract." on uh on the wing now because he had one good game in midweek um <laughs> M- mo Elneny and and jacker just offer they, they felt like they were gonna offer nothing in terms of like forward momentum um and the, the slow start really crystallized it you're like what 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 a calamity you've got uh, William and jacker uh fucking up you've got pablo marie uh, a, a super agent special backing <laughs> off like an amateur, and then you've got Mo Oneni not getting across quick enough, and you just it's, it, it, it was it was a terrible start. But I did ring um I, I ring around people that I like I, the the work in the game, and um, at, at halftime sometimes just sort of get a more professional analysis of what's going on. And people were saying it's it's a, it was a defensible position because um you know like you just said Johnny. Saka has to be rested. You can't, you can't be selfish um, about a, a young player's career. And we saw what happened to Jack Wilshere. And I think there was a lot of that talk in the week from fans saying, you know, that the power... I think Jack Wilshere actually went in the press and said, you know, I wish I'd listened to my body more when I was younger because that season they were telling me not to play. And I was like, no, I'm I'm good. Um, so you've got, you got to rest Saka. I think we've taken too many risks with Thomas Partey this season. And I think... I think the club are thinking about Benfica and I think the big one that they're really thinking about all the eggs are going in the basket of Spurs beat Spurs and Jose Mourinho this season and Arsenal fans perception of the year slightly changes Um, and then you know he he was he was justified because the reason that we've been so bad this season is our senior players have not played to the right standard it's not that they're not good enough we know Willian is good enough um, but he hasn't hit the right standard but my word, will were we'll, were we'll we wrong? Were we'll we wrong? We controlled the first, and you know, just before I, I go, I, I leave off on this ramble. I, I know this is a really obvious thing to say, but goals goals change the perception of performances, and I know that it sounds so stupid to say it, but that half on the group chats went from Brendan Rodgers has got Arteta's number to. Tactical masterclass because because we went into half time leading. If we'd gone in losing that one nil, you would have said Leicester are letting us control the game and they, they they've struck yeah. us and this is smart. But then you finish that ninety and you're like, wow, Leicester really didn't show up. Brendan Rogers couldn't get a turnout of his players when they're on the on the charge for the title this season. So good a, a good game, right? But let's let's carry on uh, down the path. We go down after um, we go down after six minutes.
3: Um, and and just, and just on that, though, we do seem to be conceding a lot
0: of
2: early goals. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and for me, that is a legit criticism against Arteta that has to be, you know, still holds water at this stage because we can't keep doing it because we're not always going to have performances like we had today after the initial um, going behind. Because the fact is, is, you know, sometimes we start poorly and we stay poor. You know, today was above that trend, really. So we can't get into it or keep this habit going of going behind so early. And I, when I say Arteta, I mean, it's all managers, it's the coaches, it's people to be out, the, 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 getting the players ready, that process, to be able to start it from minute one and hit it at the right level. That has to be a management thing as much as a player thing. So... I think the one well,
0: I think the thing that keeps me going uh, that, like that keeps me positive on that is there's a there's a big difference between like structural issues, um, you know, where like under Unai Emery, it, you know, we were porous all the time. Uh, when it when it when they're bad individual errors, like Danny Ceballos with that header last week, it's it, like it, it's, it shouldn't be part of. It shouldn't be part of the makeup like that. That you know, I, I think you can iron those kinks out. And also like we seem to get punished to the absolute max every time we make an error um, at the moment. And the, the same the same today. And it wasn't, you know, I, I don't think I think we can iron those kinks out, I hope. But like the, the bigger problem for me, Johnny, on that is it's like it's, it's six minutes in. Like you play Sunday League football, it's like keep everything together for the first fifteen minutes, nothing stupid. And you know Manchester City, you ruin the game. Maybe we would have got a draw if we hadn't conceded after two minutes. But to do it the next game in the Premier League, that's when you say, "Like, come on, guys, what are we saying?" Um, Well, I think it's
3: I think it's away from home as well. It's the classic away from home is don't concede the first twenty. You know, get your eye in and then start passing it around. That was always the classic way of playing an away game. It's just the first the first. Thing you've got to do is not concede, and now it's you know it's without t- you know being putting too much of a damper on it. It's Villa, um, it's City, it's this game, you know, and and it just makes it so much harder to dig ourselves out of those positions. And look, a lot of the players deserve a lot of credit because <laughs> they seem to be doing it so often that their head doesn't really go down afterwards. But I was worried because you know I've often talked about thinking, you know, in the first two minutes, what Arsenal you've got. And after the first few minutes of this game, I was pretty sure that we had uh, an Arsenal that was going to uh, completely capitulate to to Leicester.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, to be honest, you, you guys are right. That, that's kind of the point I was making. It wasn't like, as you say, Pete, a big structural thing. But it's it's part of the ra- the job of the coaching team is to get the players ready to to match the intensity. It's nothing to do with we're starting in a weird shape. It's players are just switching off too early. And if we're consistently putting teams out where people are having brain farts within five minutes, you know, something's got to change there and we have to get to the stage where we're coming out, you know, playing like this is a cup final at Wembley from minute one because otherwise we have our brain fart moment, then get over it, but it might be too too late for us at that point. That, that's the, And by the way, that's the last negative thing I'm going to say because yeah. – Overall, it was a very, very, very very good day. But I just, you know, that is, when we, as fans, we also want to, when we see things that would concern us, it's worth raising it because, you know, the reality is it it needs to be in the club's outlook, like their consciousness when moving forward so we can get rid of these mistakes for the bigger games that are to come.
0: Yeah, and uh, and when you're analysing a performance, don't just... Cherry pick the good bits because it comes back to haunt you later on, and I I, I think the uh, uh, unforced errors, bad starts, is something the and uh, um, the unforced errors one. You know you're going to have to improve that with players at some point, right? I'm not sure that I'm not sure that Pablo Marie looks at the level Uh, he, he should be. He doesn't. He's not the he's not the play out the back defender I hoped. Uh, and he the backing off just seemed really weak for a 26 year old you know championship winning defender that's come over from brazil but you know we can talk about that later i actually just want to get straight into the good stuff because how like, imagine this a few weeks ago willian and pepe lead the charge for getting arsenal back on track like i i i did i didn't want to like willian's performance today but i thought i thought he was tidy i thought he was efficient um, I thought he set a really good tempo. And Pepe on the right in the first <laughs> half, he was he was unplayable. He, he, he was, was unplayable. Not, he, gave, he, he, gave that,
3: he gave that left back an absolutely torrid time. Uh and it was and it was great to see. There's a player in there. He definitely needs a quite a tight system to operate in. But um there's definitely a role for him to play 20 start 20 odd games a season at least. Um Against certain opposition and especially away from home, uh, when you when you play more on the counter, maybe he's our sort of away game away game hero. Johnny, I mean, what went
0: right today with, with Pepe? How did that happen?
2: So the the thing is about Pepe, and we have talked about this a number of times on this pod about the fact that you know first of all when we were looking, you know, when he's having shocking weeks all the time, we're like, oh, are we going to have to ship him on? And ultimately, we couldn't even get a reasonable return. He was in such bad form. Yeah. but you know the fact that we even said back then if he, if you can get him playing well he will be worth if not something to the value we signed him for something pushing on that like that's the talent he can he's got so many of the attributes he can hit a dead ball well um he can deliver deliver crosses well he could go past the player he can finish well he can get up in the air even you know but the thing is is we see all of those little highlights just really inconsistently appearing it's like one moment he might finish well but for the rest of the game he's been anonymous and I think lately he started to because if you actually look at his last 10 games I do think you actually plot improvement there he has been his average performance you know has has improved over that period of time and now I feel like from the, from the moment we introduced Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe into the team, and I believe, as I've spoken about before, that he almost got charged with their energy and enthusiasm and just a kind of blueprint of how to succeed in this formation. And ever since then, he has been playing much better. Of course, he's not quite the consistent player that we had hoped we would have signed for £72 million. But the fact is, is I have seen more than enough promise... In, in, over the last 10 games, for my money, to think that there is a chance of Pepe, you know, genuinely becoming an influ- influential player and a potential game changer at the highest level, which is something that, you know, can't come soon enough for Arsenal.
0: I think that the, one of the things that I'm really enjoying about his game at the moment is he's, if, if, he's not, if he's not getting a lot of the ball, he, go, he goes looking for it now. And I feel like he's, he's lacked so much confidence in his Arsenal career that when things don't go right from him from the off, like talk about knowing what Pepe you're going to get, you generally know after the first 10 minutes. But what I loved about his performance today is uh, he was getting a lot of the ball and then when he wasn't, he started coming in, inside uh, to, to influence. I think he's, I don't know whether he's, whether he's bulking up a little bit, but he certainly looks like he's more happy um, in the mix. Like he's he's a physical player now and, and and it looks like he's he's finding his balance. But I think uh I think that one of the, the owners at Lille said it took a long time for him to settle there as well. But then because he's shy and you know it takes him a while to work out the environment. But I, I think that he's just trying to work out what his role in the Premier League is because you know, the the French league is is very, very different. You get a lot more time on the ball and Lille play a very different game to us. But it's starting to look like... um um, Johnny, you definitely said this a few weeks ago. He's been inspired by the younger kids, right? I think it's like... And the younger kids, like players like Smith Rowe, bringing him into the game. Erdegaard brings him into the game. Like having a number 10 to to play off and knowing that they're going to be quality balls coming in for him to run onto, I think is really helping him. But he's also... It's decisive, you know. Scoring a goal today, you're like he popped up in that box. I don't see him in the box that often. Um, so fox he's fox in the boxing. Um, you know he's he's getting a better delivery. And I think the most interesting thing is, it's almost he's almost like that got that Neymar weaponized. Uh, you know, falling over players' legs. You know, I I, I don't know how that first uh, penalty didn't happen, and I don't know how he made it to look so convincing falling over someone's leg. But like that, that was two, three, four times today. It, it, it was almost like he was nailed on to get penalty, and that's uh, that's something that we've lacked.
3: Yeah, I've, no, he's he's got a lot of the uh, he's he's got a lot of a lot of what you need to do, and um, you know, uh, it's taken a while. It's going to be interesting to see whether he can kick on. But yeah, I, I think um, we've we've got to persevere with him. I mean, I still think if we could get some cash for him at the end of this season and move him on, that still might be the best. You thing are ruthless. Ruthless. For- <laughs> 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 it still might be the best for, for all parties in terms of the whole rebuild and what we need to do and where we have good players. But at least it doesn't feel like we've just uh, flushed 72 million down the toilet, which is what it felt like earlier on in the season. The other thing to note, I think, is that terrible spell of his earlier on in the season coincided with a terrible spell for absolutely everyone at the club like who the only person who possibly came out of that period before Christmas with any credit is probably Saka he was the only person who who you could say was actually doing all right the rest was just uh, an abomination so um yeah it's it's certainly promising
2: I mean I mean to be honest like I, I know you're um you know Still being appreciative of his uh, performances there, Matt. But the idea of selling him in, um, you know, the summer, I, I just don't think that's even remotely on the cards. Because we, just, unless he now goes on a, you know, Lionel Messi run to the end of the season, just scoring every week, we won't get anywhere near the return on value that it would be to try and replace him with another player of even, you know, equal to improving quality. Whilst if we were, you know, to do it from betting odds, if Pepe continues to improve like this to the end of the season, we're better off sticking with him because he's that close to becoming, he's already playing well. You know, he could be playing really well by the end of the year. And, you know, who knows? Um, We may be going further in Europa League and, Pepe returning to form might lead to some big performances in that, and at that point, you have to say that you know Pepe is seriously pushing for a starting place in our first eleven now. You know because he can change the game, and obviously, uh, you know another another negative out of the um, game was the injury to Smith Rowe, which looked like it was going to it might um, keep him out for a slightly longer period. But you know we know that even you know it's in the starting lineup, Saka's playing, of course. But Saka likes playing with other good players. And I think Pepe gets a lot of joy when playing with um, Saka. And also, it looks like it will be Odegaard moving forward. And that gives us a lot of hope if Pepe can continue to improve this form. Because, as I say, with these big games coming up, I think we might need something out of him.
0: You know, the other little observation that I really enjoyed about Nicolas Pepe today... um, when he scored, everybody went to him. All the subs mobbed him. Like, so he's obviously well liked as well, you know. And I, I think that sometimes um, I, I wrote that the the pantomime villains all all uh, kept everybody quiet today. And I think sometimes you know and we're certainly I'm certainly guilty of this. But when a player's playing badly, you're like he's a he's a terrible person. That, that like that william is a terrible person, and all I've been hearing about william is he's actually a, a a good person behind the scenes and it was you know Nicolas Pepe he's moody and he's uh he's withdrawn that didn't look like a player that that people don't get along with behind the scenes and it's just a small bit but i i, I loved i loved seeing him feel like you know that's the first time I've seen it look like he's part of the fabric of the club
2: definitely definitely he 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 is um i th- i think you know the players would look upon him as a, a positive uh, element of the team and the squad like even when he you know he doesn't he doesn't look like a diva or or, or a strop head you know the fact yeah. is is even when it's not going his way he just he just you know it's just cuz it's not going his way but it's not because he's not really trying i don't think i just don't think that he's been ready for the intensity of the league up until this point. But like you said, you made a very good point earlier, Pete, that I do think he's bulked up a little bit. And that bulk has given him a little bit more bite in the 50, 50, you know, challenges. He, he looks like he's not shirking them as much. And he looks like he's riding them in a way that, you know, Jack Grealish does, you know, where you yes. think Jack Grealish plays quite a dainty, but the reality yeah. is he's actually a lot stronger and a lot more solid on the ball than what he looks. And when he goes down, it's because he's drawn that foul and if you draw the foul in dangerous areas, we'll take that. You know, I mean? I don't, that's not diving. That is waiting for the touch and then taking the foul. That's, that's, that's good play. And it's, and it's smart play, which is what's so uh, encouraging about Pepe. Sometimes you can run around a bit like mindlessly, I think. But today he's playing with with direction. He knows with, with a purpose. And that is what's really encouraging to watch.
3: And I think that Arteta, he seems to have a bit of a track record for helping these players who are like the inside forwards. You know, you've heard it with Sterling Credits a lot with being told where to stand, how to play that role. And I think it's it's, it's it's interesting that Saka and Pepe are probably the two most improved players at the moment. And both of them play on those inside forward positions. And I think hopefully Arteta's helping them. And I think the other thing that's interesting on the culture piece is I was just reading this morning about all the stuff that's going on at Schalke and like the coach got fired. Well, Christian and, Gross is and, out. Uh and, and who are the who are two of the two of the players who have been involved in the apparent ousting of the coach? It's Kalasinak and Mustafi.
1: Oh, uh, oh beautiful.
3: <laughs> and uh and so you're just like They were shit um, behind the scenes. Mustafi was probably you, yeah. you can't underestimate how liberating it must be for some of the players in the dressing room to be to, for there to be a bit of a cultural shift, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see what comes out about the difference between the dressing room, you know, um, post clear out and pre clear out, because we couldn't get rid of those players for the whole first year of Arteta's tenure, um, but but we've now managed to get rid of all of them, and I think you can't underestimate the role of culture and especially maybe for a player like Pepe who's not maybe the loudest or the most yeah. outspoken but creating an environment where f- he feels happy and comfortable and welcomed is definitely going to have an impact on on his end products as well I think
0: toxicity is-, is poisonous it's like to- toxicity in a in a uh, like just you know, it takes two or three people and it's cancerous in an organization. And especially like when you're when you're young or you're not doing well, it's much easier to follow the negative than trying than than trying to be positive off the back. So I think that's um, that's a telling point. I mean, we
2: we might have to we might have to alter. I know. I I think what you've both said there is absolutely spot on. It is. You know, I've always thought Mustafi's an absolute clown, a a, a virus of a club. He's just like uh, uh, yeah, I really don't (laughs) like the guy. I've heard he's a (laughs) fell end as well. (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, just absolute can't stand that mug. Um, but, yeah, no, um, look, in a the day, I have been as big a critic of Willian's as anyone out there, to be fair. I've had a few people even say that, why do I hate someone who I look quite like? You know, because um, <laughs> uh, I've got the Willian afro. But, um, though, you know, I, I genuinely cannot stand willian i'm i i just don't like the geezer i think he's i think he's awful and i think he's been a really poor player for arsenal so far however i have to be able to give credit where credit is due and even though i don't see a future for Ann ultimately at the club i really don't i just don't think he's I, i'm not i'm not sure this will be a you know a signifier of a real sh- momentum shift com- over a longer period but he is playing well. He had a very, very good game today, and you know, you're talking two assists today, one assist in the week. Like you know, that just sometimes good assists. The free, assist. kick, is that the free kick was clever today, and the thing is, as well, like, and we all do this as football fans, but we are very emotive. It's a very emotive sport. And we attach storylines and characters uh, the way that you guys were talking about earlier, you know, in terms of, oh, you know, someone's playing bad, so they're a bad person and stuff like that. But the fact is, is that, you know, when you have a feeling, an emotional feeling against a player, sometimes all you have to do is just look at the stats because the stats aren't emotional. They are just facts. That's what happened. And if I look at the stats of what Willie produced over the last two uh, over the last two games. It's a very good return from a midfielder in that position. So I can't sit here and start banging on the guy. He is playing well. For like you said, I, I don't think he's great, but the, the the other players seem to like him. So like I will hold my hands up and say, well done. He shut me up, and you know until the next game, I've got no complaints with Willie and He yeah. absolutely delivered on, on his duty and responsibility to the team today and you know it's
3: encouraging the thing i'd say though is that uh, there's some reasons why we hate willian they anything about right we can't he can't do anything about the fact that he's got a three-year contract or that he gets paid 200 whatever thousand pounds a week or that he came from chelsea like, he just can't do anything about that <laughs> and those are all contributing yeah. factors to the reason why we hate him but there's a a couple of other things that he's done, which which he can, and even poor form. Like there's there's not a lot he can do. What can a player do apart from apart from apart from get through it? The thing that's really made me angry towards Willian over the last, you know, since he since he arrived after the first game of the season is that is the perceived lack of effort in games, in terms of pressing, in terms of running, in terms of looking focused. He just looked totally, like today's call, he looked totally directionless. And I think that was the difference today, which is, yeah, you actually saw him pressing players. And when he was running, the runs looked like he actually wanted to get on the end of something rather than he was just stat, uh, stat, stat padding or, you know, like... Um, and he was actually trying things. So, um, look, it's positive. But I think that... Um, you know, you can't underestimate what a bit of effort looks like, and how, how and how much that matters to the fans. And I think that yes, he got the assist, and that was great. But more encouraging was that he actually looked like he wanted to make stuff happen. And maybe it's all been maybe it's been a confidence thing, but um, look, look, it, it arrives, so we're, we're better off with it. And and look, he's not going anywhere, so we need him to start performing. Uh, and it was interesting on the back of the article that came out, which was clearly some sort of clickbait to wind up Arsenal fans, where he said he never wanted to leave Chelsea and all that stuff. Um, but something fired him up today, and and thank god because <laughs> that stats wise,
0: guys, uh, <laughs> created three chances. Um, he had the 13, 13 of his attempted passes in the final third, found their man. Um, he had. It attempted nine crosses six of them found a player like I, I don't know what clicked but sometimes things just click right you know you've been at chelsea for six seven years and then you move over to a young team with a young manager maybe it's difficult to work out what your role is but um I, I, the question is do, do, is it like uh the broken clock thing that we were talking about on thursday that's the you know like has he just have has Arteta just worked out a role for him, Um, or alternatively, he hasn't really played much since Christmas. And since Christmas, we've found a number ten. We've signed a number ten on loan. We've reshaped um, the our whole approach to the game. And just maybe, maybe the team is more balanced for a player like him because it can absorb some of his weaknesses.
2: Yeah, I think I think you know. All, all of the points made are really valid to be fair like um i, I I'm, I'm not sold on whether this is as you say Pete you know a um, kind of structural shift where we've unlocked his potential as opposed to like you say you know a um, wrong clock is right every now and again and um, I you know but for some of the reasons that Matt was drawing upon the fact is is that he he can't be, because of what we saw with him at Chelsea, he's not like suddenly, he's not like he's forgot how to play football. He yeah. can play football. Yes, he might be a bit slower. He might even be a bit weaker since, you know, the prime of his career. That kind of happens with age. But he knows how to pass the ball. He knows how to to pick a pass, to shoot. I mean, when's the last time we even see him shooting? But I think that is why our perception of his performances were that they were just lacking effort. Um, And I think... I don't know whether it's the fact that at Chelsea, I used to always, you know, from the outside looking inwards, I um, used to always think that he was someone who got worse as the season went on. He, He was one of those players that would, like, fatigue and just not be able to be turning it on in, you know, March and stuff. It was, you know, and they would always have to rely on Hazard just doing it on his own by this point of the season. And whereas Willian hasn't been played that much, so he's actually looking quite fresh at this point, which is bizarre because he True. hasn't been running before. It's a handy thing when you don't try for half a season. You've got loads of legs in the second half of the season. <laughs> yeah. uh, it might be a tactic some coaches use going forward. But the thing is, is um, for me, it looked like they were playing with hunger. And maybe when we talk about the fact that Pepe has gained uh, a, a lot of his influence from Saka and uh, smith Rose, energy... It almost seems like because it's spread and it is contagious. Now Pepe is generating that enthusiasm in other players like William because he looks like he actually wants to do something now. So um,
3: that was that what, was a what, great performance today. What what a thought! William is now inspired by Pepe. <laughs> exactly. called, they're all inspired by Granite and uh, <laughs> one happy family. Um, uh,
0: but I, I, I think the the point that Matt made earlier about culture it's like you know there was a lot of kryptonite in the squad and now it's cleared and you know willian is part of a chelsea you know has been part of a a chelsea dynasty that has downed managers so when they smell blood in the water it's like fuck it but now (laughs) they know that arteta's not going anywhere and also you know at a real base level nobody wants to be disliked especially athletes Right, uh, so it, no one wants to sit on a two and a half year contract and be the next Winston Bogard or the next Meza Ozil. Um So oh. y- y- you want to enjoy the, the the last years of your career. Like I, I don't think anybody wants to be like Meza Erzl. Oh. Like what a horrible way to end, um you know, a, a, a big a big tenure at a club. So I'm I'm happy that he's that he's. Found his, um found a bit of magic today. I like that he popped up in sort of those spaces between the lines. Like you know, he had a he had a good shot early on. But the the key thing is that we pay two hundred and fifty grand a week because when the chips are down, you want to be able to look at a Premier League winner who's a Brazilian international to pick you up. And today, I felt like he led. Like I, I felt like it was um, you know not like a a a, a chest pumping leadership but lead by example efficiency moving the ball fast showing up um and like Once delivering decisively yeah I, I i i really really like that free kick because you know we're one of the best teams in the premier league for defending set pieces because we've got georgeson in but we've been terrible our corners have been shocking but martin odegaard never hits the front post he always goes into the mix and um Williams free kick today it looked like it it, uh, you know something had been worked on the training ground and David Luiz popping up outstanding header wasn't it another Marmite player you're like David don't do this to me don't make (laughs) me want to give you another year deal
3: (laughs) (laughs) they're all just they're, they're all just doing it just in time when you're just gonna we're gonna have a good end end of the season you know, get up to seventh and then they're all going to get handed out. The one year to Louise, the two year, <laughs> the two year to Lacazette, maybe even give, give William a little one year just to like sweeten him up, get him feeling good.
0: Yeah. So uh, I want to, so I want to move into the, the second half. I mean, we, we barely even got out the first half, um, but like firstly, we haven't had a good record of going a goal down and, and clawing back. And we did it in the week and we, we did it again today. The difference between going in 1-0 down and 2-1 and up is obviously huge for confidence. But I, I actually wanted to talk about another performance. Like, Firstly, a bit of a worry that Smith-Rowe went off. Like, It looked like I couldn't work out whether he was pointing at his ankle or he was holding his stomach because he was sick. Because he didn't he looked a bit peaky, didn't he? Um, but Martin Odegaard came on, and I think his last two performances for Arsenal have felt a little bit mezzo. Meser- a little bit Mesut-ish, you know, not really involved. Like the Manchester City game, he, he he seemed to he didn't have the confidence to turn with the ball. Thought he was very quiet um, against Benfica, but he came out of the traps when he came on, and I I thought for like the fifty minutes that he played, he really dictated play, and there was there was some saucy moments. There was a little chipped through ball for uh, for Cedric. Oh, mommy, eh? um, oh right, yeah, he, yeah, uh, yeah. I thought he pulled levers, uh, you know. And the the touch for the goal, like that that goal um, wouldn't have happened four months ago because we wouldn't have had somebody to sort of guide that ball through to William. But that silky touch, that vision, that's, I think that's why everybody was excited about Martin Odegaard. And I, I felt that the, those 50 minutes said, uh, said a lot about why they hired him hired him like he's a fucking freelancer like why why we hired him and why we want him for next season so um like let's let's talk about the the second half because the second half was about control right um you know you go two one up um it didn't feel like panic mode
2: no no um i I, and it's you know i'm so pleased you've gone on this point because this is exactly where i was uh thinking with regards to the game um i text my mates in my uh whatsapp arsenal group and um you know, I said exactly the same thing you said, Pete. I said that Odegaard touch was disgusting, and <laughs> yes. it, it 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 literally we don't score that goal before he's there. No one else no. does that. You know, I, I mean, maybe Saka could do that. I, I, in fact, I think Saka could do that. But when Saka's not playing, like Odegaard is the only geezer who sees that and can move his feet in that way. It's it's actually excellent, excellent creativity. Create, uh, um, creativity at that point. And for me, I think we're starting to see what kind of player he actually can be for us now and how he, what added value he provides to the team. Um, I, I, I think that when we have um, players, the likes of Elneny and people like that on the field, there's a, a natural regression in our um, passing tempo and our aggressive passing forward. Whereas Erdegaard is an antidote to that. he um, When he's on the field, he does want to do, he wants to make smart passes. It's almost like, what's your reason for even wanting to play the game? It's like his is to play very high level technical football and create um, opportunities for his excellent passing. You can see that's what gets him off. Do you know what I mean? And um, I think that, Having a player like that who constantly looks forward with his passing, who constantly wants to take on the ambitious ball, but then also has the technical acumen to be able to pull these passes off is something that we have sorely needed in this Arsenal team because that is the kind of creativity that can ultimately always unlock a higher level offence, which we've not looked like we've had any chance of having for quite some time.
0: He's. i think the efficiency is a, is a really important word with Erdgard because um forward forward passing um if if it's not accurate can be problematic especially for this Arsenal team and um, you know i think back to Alexis and how how often he gave the ball away there was there was one bad moment where it, like he's you know i think he was 23 out of 25 passes found a man today but there was one there was one that was oh no you you've you've set lester up like danny Ceballos style but um all 13 of his passes in the final third found a man and that's a, that's a level of maturity for a 22 year old that you want he's not creative for the sake of being creative he thinks about those passes and he does it in a split second like i i love that he's not he's not re- Somebody said the other day that he's a low risk player. And I was like, he's a low risk player because he thinks about the final ball. He's not low risk because he can't play those sublime little chips and dinks. So, um, and it shows again, it's like Pep Guardiola said last week um, after the game or before the game, he said, tactics are nothing without players. You know, you can have the best ideas, but they're nothing without players. And I think that that's been true of the Arsenal system. And we're starting to, you know, Arteta plays football like he was a player was the sort of thing before christmas but now he's got the players in the system we're starting to see more ambition Matt, are I, you in? A, sorry is it I, I I just
2: gonna, yeah i was just going to say um uh I, I don't know if Matt's back there but um yeah i was going to say anyway with regards to i was like this is this is one of the things why i don't think that you know without trying to make it vitriolic in this kind of Yeah, hounding out a manager way. It was more about I think Arteta should be feeling pressure or should have been he should still be feeling pressure, you know. And and pressure in elite sport is not always a bad thing. Because the thing about it is is Arteta hasn't got the time to just cruise us through a season that has been deeply disappointing. Like he should have urgency with regards to his plan, he should be looking at this and going, I need to start getting things right quick because yeah. it isn't, it isn't going to be, you know, a bunch of knee jerk fans calling from my head. If after a season like this, if, if we crash out of everything, you have to show us, you have to give us something to get behind, something to hope for. Um, because without that, you know, why should he stay on? So I, I am pleased to see that he's kind of got that pressure. Um, and now I think that pressure has forced him to almost take the handbrake off and just go, you know what? I'm going to have to start showing what we can do offensively because trying to just blame it on the players we currently have when years are going to go past, that's not a good enough excuse. You give us the lot now. Do you know what I mean? Show us what we could be because one way or another, Arsenal fans are having a referendum on Arteta and the one way of, of, you know... Putting Arteta's best foot forward is by really letting us play with freedom and seeing what letting the fans see what Arsenal could be if it comes together.
0: Yeah. And just before I let Matt in, like Matt's done so much, like watching Matt trying to escape his daughter making noise on a podcast <laughs> that is a joy. <laughs> I think he's walked about six miles from this podcast, just trying to hide in his house. Um, but j- j- I-, I actually th- think that Arteta definitely listens to the podcast because he's he's been taking a, he's been taking the criticism from Johnny quite seriously. Because there's,
1: there's,
0: there's a quote, um, there, there's a there was a couple of quotes that came out before the game, and he said Arteta said we are rebuilding, we're in a rebuilding mm-hmm. moment, but at the same time, this club cannot stop. This club cannot be thinking this is a project. We have to win. And we have to be one of the top teams in the country straight away. And there is no time to do that unless you are winning. So I think he's very, very aware. Like I, I, I saw the starting lineup today and I was like, you're too fucking comfortable. That's, that's your problem. You're too comfortable that you're not going to get fired. So you're indulging. You're, you're indulging these, play, these older players. But you got it right. So we can't have that conversation. But I do think he's acutely aware. That fans are coming back into the ground very, very soon, and he's got to get it right because the fans will be on his back. Um, and but wins like today give him more breathing room when things inevitably go wrong next season for uh, you know, for a little bit. So Matt, I wanted to now you're now you're back in the room. What's the yeah. uh, what's your what, what's your take on um, on Odegaard and you know? Well, I the think, Johnny was referencing. Look, I think being a Premier League manager is so
3: hard. You know, when you hear Liverpool fans calling for Klop's head <laughs> after the seasons that they've had after a few, a few games, you realize that just every, it's, it's, it's just one of the most impossible jobs, uh, that's out there. And I think the good thing is that it feels like, um, we have created a stable, secure environment. Hopefully, I think there's like a middle ground, like you don't want it to be too stable and secure. Otherwise, you get asked in Wenger last 10 years. Yeah, um, but but you also don't want to feel like you don't have any time, um, and I think the team selection and the approach showed a manager this today, and we're post-rationalizing it a little bit, but who who knows that he's not going to get fired and has got at least until the end of the season t- to try and make some progress and and, and in in all reality he's got this season and next or at least till Christmas regardless of what happens because I think the club will give him another summer and a proper pre-season and let's face it you have to also remember he's never really played he's played so few games in stadiums it would be it's very harsh to get a get a a, a job like a, a job in lockdown and then to not see it through after lockdown you know, it'll, it'll never be this hard again. Um But, uh, oh, but, sorry. Sorry. but he does have to, st- he does have to get credits on the, on, and, and he has to just show enough to demonstrate that we are improving. And look, we're all fickle. It's all, it's hard. It's like after the city game, we were going, are we improving today? We're going, we are improving. You know, I think, I think, I think I don't think it's a question of are we improving. I think we are improving. I think it's a case of are we improving faster than the competition around us? That's like a really, really key question for me because Leicester are improving, Aston Villa are improving, Leeds are improving. Like a lot of these clubs are improving. Are we improving at a much faster pace than them? That's the question I've got. Games like today suggest that we are. We are. but he needs to evidence that and he really really needs to demonstrate both with the europa but also the league i think the league is really really important he cannot afford to limp in in 11th 12th like like no. the difference between a strong finish and fin- and coming in in 7th versus 12th um will really matter if we don't win the europa league because if we don't win the europa league everyone's just going to just go, I can't believe we finished 10th. And I can't believe we finished 12th. He has to have a statistic that says if the Premier League started on January the 1st this year, we would have got Champions League. And that's the thing that's filling me with confidence. Or we completely re-engineered our team and brought all these young players through so that we can have do this this season. So it's really, really important. Leicester's a big game. Burnley are like 3-0 down to Spurs at the moment. And we've got them next up. We've got to beat them. We've got to beat Spurs. And if you can get that momentum, which we haven't been able to do all season, by the way, so it's not a foregone conclusion. If we can get that momentum, then um, it definitely feels like, like 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 we're improving at least.
2: Yeah, the, I, I um, was
0: just, sorry, Craig. I was just going to add one thing about like because I love your the point about pressure. I also think if if uh, like the healthy pressure is what you need because we saw what negative pressure did to Unai Emery. And I think with a young squad, if Arteta was feeling like he might get fired today, we might have saw, we might have saw, and um, we probably would have played Saka, and we might have injured him. So ha- having a, 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 you know, I'm going to be here for longer than the next three games also may- allows him to make better decisions for the health of the squad, not just the yeah. health of the table. Sorry, Johnny, back in. Um,
2: yeah, well, I mean, to, to even jump on that point, but the one that Matt. Uh, raised there, because that was certainly something I was going to say. I think was bang on. For me, you look at the way we are set up now. We we one way or another have had a shocking season. Yeah, today feels good, but just like when we lose a bad game, you know, it feels really bad and we've had a lot of them this season. So for me, Arteta is in a situation where he needs to win the Europa League to save his job. Um, I don't actually think it will come down to that. For instance, if we got to the final he would probably keep his job anyway with regards to the people who would have to make the decision to get rid of him anyway. But if we get banged up by Olympiakos and, and knocked out, he's got to go. <laughs> and I'm not even joking. You can't be sitting there going, but do you remember when we played well against Leicester? That is not a highlight of the season. This game means everything and nothing today. It adds a bit of padding if we don't win the Europa, but we go far in it. Um, then it's like, OK, he has got that big game mentality, he can get as far in competitions, but also he's shown glimpses in the league of being able to compete at the top level. But, you know, let's be realistic. If we get knocked out of the Europa League in, to Arcos season over in March, I don't care about beating Leicester without beating. Are you, are you kidding me? Like, fair come
0: fair. on, guys. The fan favourites sell <laughs> sell Nicolas Pepe and Arteta are out. You two, you. I, honestly, I think you uh, the the favourability ratings are going to drop after this one. Let me Let's, tell uh, you. I, the, one of the things that one of the things that I think
3: the most interesting thing that's happened since Christmas is this slightly more expansive way of playing with more creative players. You know, I like it when you have those like the sort of Saka ESR Odegaard three behind the, the lead striker and all of that, all of that stuff is sort of as a fan, it's sort of exciting me, which is why I was a bit depressed when I saw the lineup, because it felt like this was a, this felt like a pre Christmas lineup where we were just going to try and like throw the dice and hope that, hope that, that something came, came of it. But um, because I think it can work in a number of different ways. If you, you don't have to have the results. If you can clearly see that there is tangible improvement, um, I think that's going to be enough for Arteta. I personally don't want Arteta out regardless of what happens this season. Cause I'm, I'm like, it's, it's basically March. Winning the Europa is a long shot. Um, do I have faith in him to, to, to make some good decisions in terms of player acquisition? Well, Based on Thomas Party, based on Gabriel, based on bringing ESR through, I do think you know we are now in a position where we have seven players in a first eleven in terms of Leno, Tierney, uh, Saka, Party, uh, ESR, Obameyang, who are have got the bases of a top four team. We just we're just missing you know four, probably another four players. So if we could get two of them this summer and two of them the summer after. Um, you know, we could be challenging as a top team in in, in two years, which I, I think I, is a more realistic way of looking at yeah,
0: it. I can. And I, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna step in and be unapog- unapologetically the the context guy here. And I, you, you used to irritate me back in the day with Wenger when fans used to do that. Um, I'm now that guy. So what? <laughs> uh, you, you two are going to have to deal with it. Uh, but if 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 we accept that the season was absolutely shocking until Christmas. And we accept that Arteta did not get fired for that. And that now we're judging him like from Christmas onwards. And that's the only way that I think that we can look at the season because what's done is done. And he didn't get fired for it. If um, last weekend we were top three for, um, we were fifth for points per game in the league since Christmas, we were top three for goals per game. And, we were top three um, as like one of the the best defensive teams in the Premier League. That is progress. The football is becoming more expansive. The young players are getting better, and he's reviving dead Arsenal careers. And that's all. That's all you want to say. So, if if we don't win the Europa League, um, like, i like obviously I would. We've got to beat. We've got to beat the team that down the Premier League last season with COVID. Right. We've got to avenge that defeat. <laughs> that was a horrible defeat as well. And I think that, you know, I want to, I'd love us to be seen as, as, as a bit of a cup team as well. And I think that that win against Benfica allowed for the win against Leicester. Beat Olympiacos and 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 carry that momentum through to the Spurs game puts yeah. us in a really good position. So I think um, if if the season goes off the rails, Johnny, and we lose 10 games in a row, then we can start talking about the job. But if um, if there's an upward traje- trajectory with uh, in the league, if we continue to dominate games, and look, since Christmas, Pep Guardiola said, "Look, you look at the Arsenal games; they dominate every game, even when they lose." And we have consistently dominated that. Like we've seen that Leicester game time and time again, even when we've lost um, since Christmas, and we couldn't say that before. So performances are getting better players are getting better the style of football is getting better and uh, like I don't think his career is contingent on Europa League but I think you need to give the fans something to grab hold of last week how how did we end the podcast it was like get some mini narratives going yeah yeah Europa League mini narrative number one we're still in it by the skin of our teeth but we're still in it Um. End Leicester's Premier League. Well, I think, I think I think I <laughs> think the other piece the other piece of the
3: Olympiakos one is it gives Arteta a chance of revenge, and and I think we're always I think all we're all we're looking for now is improvement. So if we can say yeah we didn't have the nows to beat Olympiakos last year but we did this year we learned from our mistakes it helps with that young manager narrative because it's like yeah I am I am making mistakes but I'm learning from them faster and I'm managing to to move on. So I think. The Olympiakos is actually a dream draw for Arteta, in that it allows us to. It's going to allow him when we beat them to have that story. Hopefully,
2: I I agree. Everything you're saying here, by the way, I do agree with. You know, and there is certainly. But but what I'm trying to provide is context as well for our. Like you know, I'm trying to add a little bit of. kind of balance in terms of how excited we could be, which everyone's going to feel excited now. But what I'm saying is we're two bad losses away to Olympiarcos from this being a completely different... Like, There's no way I'm going to be sitting here talking about the Leicester win if we crash out to Olympiarcos in poor form. So I think our confidence is so fragile at the moment. I want us to... You know, if you're talking to me, if we're doing this pod in five weeks' time and we've put together five wins or four wins... Then of course I'm going to be I'm going to be singing a different tune, like it because because the fact is is we can't you know make these big jumps. I'm talking about it, you know up to now in the season we're mid table and uh, and have looked poor. So as much as we can't you know take one bad result in isolation, we can't take one good result in isolation. If we if we string the the Europa League wins. Together with the win today and we beat Tottenham, you know, as you were hinting at, Pete, then of course it would be a real feather in Arteta's cap and something you can point to and say, look, we've turned a corner here. But right now, if we don't get results in the games going forward, then I'm sorry, I'm not sold on this as being some revolutionary moment yet. It it has to maintain to well, you know for Arteta. I
3: think the other thing is you look at like uh one of the other narratives that's helped Arteta is he go look to be honest no one could have come in and turned things around things were such a mess and that's a narrative that's helped him but you look at Thomas Tuchel at Chelsea I mean they were like us they were complete shambles I mean with better players and, and a ton of money invested in the summer but you know he's managed to get
0: a ten yeah, game I fi- fi- I I I disagree there, Matt. Like fixing a top four team that had two hundred and fifty million pounds worth of talent added to it is a bit different from fixing ten years worth of decline no premier league title in 14 years and th- Thomas like Frank Lampard got a turnout of those players last season you know I, and I don't think Chelsea were that bad Frank Lampard just got fired because that's what Chelsea do um but I, I don't think we can be uh, firstly I don't think we can say that like Thomas has done the job yet and secondly it's like it's not comparable on, on any level like we're we're shifting a mentality of a club um with bad players um and i, I think that maybe not bad players that's unfair but i i don't think that's comparable i think more i think more comparable is jürgen klopp had a, a, had a, a winning machine one of the best premier league teams we've ever seen last year and we we're, we're within spitting distance of him and that's the best coach in the world you know or second best coach in the world to to pet i mean
3: i know we're arsenal fans but you know we're only 8 points <laughs> off <laughs> <laughs> can we dream? Can we dare to dream? <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't. I don't think we can because we're eight points off fourth. But teams that are currently out of fourth are teams like Liverpool, yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> Chelsea. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, but I think, Ever- the season's a write-off for a lot of clubs, right? I mean, yeah. the, the 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 league table. I, I know that we're probably at, we're like tenth or eleventh or, or whatever. But you are literally a five-game run. From jumping four or five places, the problem is this season we just haven't had that four or five game run, right? Yeah. And, we, and we need to. And I think Johnny, the the the, the strength of having um, a good run into the end of the season for me comes back to what the fans are going to be like in the stadium. If um, if the summer, if we go into the summer sad, it, like it, it will take two bad losses, and then there'll be planes flying over the ground. If yeah. we go in strong and we get to the semi final of the Europa. Um, and we beat Spurs, and you know we we get a draw against Liverpool or whatever. I think fans will be excited that there's 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 a prospects coming, and you know there's that we're going to compete next season. Um, and I think I think that that's going to be I think that's going to be the the main objective. And I, I honestly think that a lot of the thinking around today's lineup was Arteta knows he has to beat Spurs. I think yeah. Spurs I think there's uh,
3: there's one other thing that I think would be enormously helpful to Arteta, which is. Can we demonstrate by the end of the season that Martinelli has a future as a first-team player at Arsenal? Because, you know, we've got ESR, we've got Saka through. If we could get that third player, who feels like they can be a first-team regular for years to come and has got huge upside and potential. And we can get a lot of the blooding done this season. So start of next season, a bit like we did with Saka. I mean, you forget that Saka didn't start the first games this season. You know, he didn't start the FA Cup final last year, whereas it would be nice at least for Martinelli to get that run of games and for us to 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 do that, because Stryker's going to be a key position in the summer. And if we could prove that he could work as a centre-forward, it could save us 40 50 million in the, in the, in the window.
2: It's a, it's a massive point, to be fair. And, and I didn't actually, cause we were being a bit positive, I didn't actually um, bring up the point that, I had no issues with Arteta's lineup today in terms of it being perceived to be a weakened lineup, you know, with regards to the fact that we've prioritised Europa clearly and being fit for that. But the one gripe I had was Martinelli not playing, and obviously for obvious reasons, because going in, I never want to see William play over Mart- Martinelli, despite how the game went on to end up. But to be honest, that's still true anyway. I, I am, I, um, I think the point Matt made, we are going to. Striker is going to be a key position for us. Um, We've got two guys who, obviously, Aubameyang at his best is absolutely world class, anyway. But we've got two strikers who I think both are limited for different reasons in that role, uh, in the way that the striker role has evolved for what Arsenal now require in this setup. And so, if Martinelli could have a a good run and provide at least a real promise that he could take over that role i think um you know it would be it would be seriously seriously beneficial to arsenal moving forward because we might be able to focus on different areas when we're building this team
0: it's got to be it, it, martinelli's got to be a striker right i don't i don't think he gets minutes if he's playing on the left or the right at the moment but i oh, i do i do also understand why he's not getting minutes in that role at the moment because Lacazette was brilliant today. Lacazette has been brilliant for a while and Aubameyang is one of the best strikers in in the world. Um, both of them aren't complete but I think that they um, it's difficult to argue that Martinelli should be starting as a nine at the moment but also it is a little bit depressing that just listening to the way Arteta talks about Willian in the press compared to how he talks about Martinelli but I don't know it's like on the one hand, you're like, we need performances and we need points. Otherwise, we're going to get rid of Arteta. Yeah. And then on the other, you're like, but we should be giving, you know, chances to a player. Like Martinelli blows really hot or, or, or freezing cold. And, uh, but I think he's been a bit unfairly punished since the Villa game. But, um, you know, like that's, that, that's part of being a young player. And I, I don't think you get an automatic start. But the good thing is, at least we know that we don't have a Jose Mourinho manager. He does want to. He does give players, when, they, when you perform, you get minutes. Look at Smith-Rowe, look at Saka, look at Odegaard. So I, I've got hope, and he's tied down to a five-year deal, so we don't need to worry about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, well, we've, we've done over an hour today. Um, so, you know, good, good performances drive good podcasts. Uh, I want to say a big thanks. Johnny, do you want to tell um, everybody about um, your YouTube channel and your podcasts?
2: Well, I'm uh, going to focus more on my fatherhood podcast today because the se- season two is out. Um, I've dropped the first episode today, uh, interviewing Babatunde Alice, who people might know of Celeb Gogglebox. He was on that. And um, yeah, we're talking about his experience as a dad and um, yeah, naming children, which is, was a whole funny process for him. So if you want to listen, it's the How's Your Father podcast av- available where you get your podcasts.
0: Awesome. And I uh, will share that link on the blog uh, so that readers can get access to that. Uh, Matt, I know that you don't want to talk about your business as ever, but I just want to say a big thanks for coming on and doing about six miles trying to escape your daughter. That was very fun.
3: Well, I was just thinking if you're going to if you're talking about naming your kids, I mean, it's difficult to look further than Thierry, Paddy or Tony really is a boy. <laughs> or, let's be
0: honest. After today, I'm calling my kids William.
3: <laughs> Willie, yes uh
0: thanks for thanks for joining if you're listening you know what to do uh give us a five-star rating on uh on itunes share this podcast with your friends and uh tell everybody how great it is and tune in uh next week for an on the whistle uh, after the burnley game uh, where we'll have some some guest stars next week from the touchy Gooners podcast And, uh, yeah, so from from us, ciao for now. Ciao for now.
1: Peacock Streaming, the biggest live events from Super Bowl 56 to complete coverage of the Winter Olympics. It's all the unbelievable sports to love. Sign them now at PeacockTV.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy.